Well, good morning. As we're in worship, I felt the Lord speak to me to, to start with this. In the book of Hosea, God is a very broad character God. He's not single quality. He is very broad in his scope. In Hosea, it says, he will be like a mother bear robbed of her cubs. There's nothing gentle about that. I watched a video of a mother bear that her cub had been taken away, and they were charging, and a guy had a seven millimeter magnum rifle and had to shoot six times in the chest before the bear fell. And this analogy is the tenacity of God coming after you. A mother bear robbed of her cubs. Nothing will hold him back. And then we go on a little bit later in the next chapter, and it says he will be like the dew in the morning on Mount Hermon. I was on Mount Hermon at 10.15 a.m. One morning and the dew would run off. But the dew is so gentle. The dew comes to a plant and says, you want a drink? Here. Doesn't hurt anything or anyone. And sometimes we need that gentleness. And sometimes we need pretty aggressive, look out, here he comes. I'm not, why, I'm not sure why I'm saying that. It's not what I'm talking about this morning, but I just felt like I was supposed to share that great variety and the scope of God's character. Well, this morning I want to talk about having a testimony. Having that which we develop in our lives. Well, it starts with hoping your computer works. How does a testimony develop? Well, first of all, it starts with how many punches do I have to do? Oh, there we go. Starts with a story. Something's happening in our lives, and there's a story developing. Well, then that kind of moves to, well, the story moves more just something happening to, there's a problem. And then it moves from there to where, uh, <laughs> I don't have an answer for this. Beyond me, I don't know what to do. Let me give you an example of a testimony. Before I went in the ministry, I was in the restaurant business. And I enjoyed that business. I loved the challenge of pleasing people. The three hardest area to please people is money, kids, and food. In the restaurant, you have all three. And I love the challenge of taking a cranky old biddy, I'm sorry, 
but I had them, and find a way to bless them. I love the business. And I was sitting in my office one day at the restaurant, and the Lord spoke to me and says, is this what you really want? Well, again, I enjoyed the business, but I hated everything was about the almighty dollar. And to keep fighting about food costs and labor costs and doing this, and I, and I said, no, Lord, I, this isn't what I really want. He says, okay, quit. So it took me about a month to get out, but I didn't know what, he didn't say what to do. He just quit. So my wife's father had a cabin in northern Minnesota. This cabin was 10 feet by 12 feet. Had no electricity. Had no water. Had heat with a little stove. He had to put wood in it every two hours. And so we went there to wait on God. My oldest son, Danny, who some of you know, was six months old when we moved there. And we went there to wait on God. I thought, I thought we'd be there a week, maybe two. And we'd hear the Lord and, you know, we'd be so holy, we'd be like Swiss cheese. <laughs> holy. When you hear a joke <laughs> and it's funny, you have responsibility. Let's try it again. We'd be so holy, we'd be like Swiss cheese. <laughs> Too late. Well, we were there. Well, we ended up not being there two weeks or even three weeks. We ended up being there six months. Moved there in October. Count six months after October in northern Minnesota. I know you think it gets cold here. I'm sorry. It gets chilly. I've been outside at 60 below zero actual temperature. That's cold. And so in this particular place, we were waiting on the Lord. And I, and I got out of the restaurant business debt-free, also penny-free. <laughs> Had nothing, but I, you know, I was able to get out. And so we were there waiting on the Lord and trusting him for everything. My son got sick, had a fever of 105 and a half. You die from that. My car wouldn't start because it was 20 below zero. It also wouldn't start because it was out of gas. It also wasn't any good if it would have started because the snow was up to the windshield. And the neighbors lived so far away that I felt like if I tried to go get help, that I'd probably freeze to death before I got there. And I didn't think it would be good for my wife to lose her husband and her son the same day. So I didn't know what to do. So I lay down on the floor of this cabin. It was kind of the kitchen, but also the living room and the bedroom, and it was the cabin. <clears throat> and I says, God, you got to meet me here. And I could tell you all the well-known people in the world that I know, you might even be impressed, but I couldn't get a hold of any of them. It was just me and God. I got up all the floor. We had no money. We had no food. My son was dying. I didn't know what to do. I had 
an issue I didn't even answer for. Let's start out with just, you know, we're going their way in the Lord. Yeah, let's get a little challenging here. But now it was like, everybody in and up. So I got up from the, my time of prayer and standing there, all of a sudden there's a knock on the door. I'd never been a knock on our door because this cabin was remote. I went and here was someone with a banana box of food. And I'm not usually a person of loss of words. You might have noticed that. But that, to that day I was, hand me this food. I'm going, uh, 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 uh. And they leave. I'm just standing. And if I would have went shopping, what was in the banana box, that's what I would have bought. It wasn't, you know, Brussels sprouts, which I'm not a fan of, or broccoli, which neither one I'm a, I'm a fan of. It was things that I would have bought. And I sit it down. And I went quickly to go talk to them and thank them. And there was nobody there. You can decide who it was. I don't know why, but I, I took out my wallet. I don't know why I took it out. It was crazy and opened it, and there was a whole bunch of U.S. currency. Now, some of you begin to look at me like, where did you get this guy? I don't, you can be skeptical if you want. I was there. And you can't take it away. You can't take my testimony away. So about a week later or so, we did drive to Minneapolis. It was about 200 miles. We'd used the money. I had a quarter of a tank of gas. And uh, that's all we had. So I put Joyce and Danny in the car, went out and laid my hand on the hood of the car. I'm not sure that why the hood is not like a good spot. Oh God, I need to get to Minneapolis. I really need to get there. Could you do something? And I started to drive and as I drove, the gas stage started to go up and up and up. When I got to Minneapolis, I had a full tank of gas. That's a testimony. But you know what? Before you have a testimony, <laughs> why don't we just, can you hand me that computer? I'll just do it manually. Before you have a testimony, you have to go through a test. Now, this is not a play on words. It's, I mean, I'm not trying to be cute here because you haven't laughed yet anyway, so why would I expect you to laugh now? But really, a testimony is a result of what happens when you go through a test. Now, we need to understand what God does and doesn't do in all this. Okay. 
trying to get this to. And First Peter says, "Dear friends, do not be surprised at painful trial you're suffering." <laughs> like God told us, there would be times like this. Amen. Don't be surprised at painful trial, like you're going through something strange. But rejoice that you participate in the suffering of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. I love the message version of this verses, friends. When life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Spiritual warfare is not an indication that something's wrong. The devil does not attack that which does not threaten him. Are you hearing me? The devil doesn't attack those he's already got. He's already got them. We are that. We are the ones that threaten the kingdom of darkness. So spiritual warfare is not something you're going, ah, I get nervous when there's not warfare. Because I'm not threatening hell. Look at someone and say, you're a threat to hell. And the enemy does not want you to succeed. And he doesn't play fair. How many of you have noticed that? He doesn't come up to you and says, good morning, my name is Satan. I'm going to attack you now. Are you ready? He does it in ways and areas that you do not know or expect. He's a snake. You never see a snake where you expect it, except the zoo. I don't know if you about you, but I hate snakes. And every time I see a snake, it's... It's, you know, it's that, and it's that, it's that type of warfare of the enemy trying to distract you, trying to divert you, trying to get your attention onto something else so that he can take you away. James tells us, Consider a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Now, either James was off his rocker or he had some insight. Now, I don't get excited when I go through hard times. Do you? I mean, that's almost sick. But when we understand what it produces, I think back on my time in the cabin. I can't say that I enjoyed it. But oh, I'm thankful for the testimony it developed. When someone's in a challenging time, 
I actually get a little bit excited to see what God's going to do. Are you in a challenging time? Ooh, there's something about to happen. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith develops something. The testing of your faith. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit later, but I'm going to allude to it now, the difference between testing and temptation. Any teachers here? Anybody? Do you give tests? Why do you give tests? Teachers, I hope you're going to answer me, actually. What do you, what? That's right. You're going to find out how they're doing with the material that you're covering. Does God give us tests? He wants to find out how you're doing with the material that he's bringing you through. You have a test of patience. Anybody had a test of patience this week? If you had not raised your hand, you haven't driven. <laughs> we have a test of perseverance. We have a test of keeping our mouths closed when our n normal tendency was to let it go inappropriately. Anybody relate? A test. A test and a temptation, we will often not be able to tell the difference in our own human analyzing ability. Because a test moves us onward, a temptation moves us to fulfill the goal of temptation, which is sin. Temptation. Well, I'll, I'll move that in a minute. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and complete, not lacking anything. Anybody not want to move to where you're not lacking anything? It requires trials, testing, and perseverance. Well, I don't want that. Well, then you're not, you're going to be always lacking something. That's basically what the scripture says. If you act wisdom, ask God. All right, now let's move on, jump on to in verse 12. We're still in James 1. Bless the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that God has promised. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Listen to me. Some people feel like when temptation comes, they're doing something wrong. When you're tempted, there's nothing wrong yet. Temptation is going to come because you breathe. Temptation is going to come because you're alive. And especially going to come because you're a believer in Jesus. God does not bring it. Did you hear the clear scripture? God is not the one that brings temptation. But is it a test or is it temptation? Often, it's difficult for us to know, well, which one is it? I'm not sure, but the plan is the same. 
we move on toward God. Now I want to talk about the five steps or levels of temptation. <clears throat> five steps. We look at this here in James chapter 1. It says, each one is tempted when? And these are right from James chapter 1 verse 12. First of all, desire. Now the original language in the Greek does not have the word evil. Translators put it in because they felt like, well, if it's desire, it has to be wrong before it to lead to something negative. That's not true. One time I was with the Lord and he says, if I gave you a green genie, you know, you rub the lamp and a green genie popped out, 25 wishes. This is a really big green genie. It wasn't three wishes. It was 25. He says, I want you to write down what you would want. And so I literally did. God asked me to do this. Okay, 25 wishes. <laughs> and I, and I dream big. I didn't put amount of money, but I just put never another financial need ever. <laughs> and then, you know, real estate and cars and et cetera. I got all done. The Lord says, okay, now if I filled all those tomorrow, would you be closer to me or further away? Oh, shoot. <laughs> Half of them I had to cross out because they'd take me away from God. Desire in itself is not the issue, is what it does with you and your relationship with God. See, this word desire is the same word in the Greek that Jesus desired to eat the Last Supper with his disciples. So it's not wrong, but we can have wrong desires. Amen? See, I had a dream car. If you, if you want to borrow my car today, psh, sure, here. But if I, have, if I got my dream car, don't you even look at it hard. Don't get it dirty. Are you with me? Because I wouldn't be as generous. I wouldn't be, are you following? And I had to start crossing off some of those desires. So the best place to begin to deal with temptation is let God purify your desires. Number two, dragged away. Now, if you wonder where I'm getting these, again, this is James chapter 1, verse 12. Dragged away. Dragged away from what? Things that keep me connected to God. How many know in times of difficulty, you either go to God or you go away? You don't stay neutral. You worship more or you worship less. Are you with me? You go to God in crying out or you cry out less. Are you, are you following me? So we're dragged away. Who's behind this? Temptation. Who's that from? The enemy. We're dragged away from the things that keep us connected. Dragged away from fellowship. Dragged away from calling someone and says, you know, I'm just struggling. We're dragged away from admitting I have a need. We're dragged away from, Lord, I, I just need your presence. What Tracy was encouraging us earlier, earlier, just, oh God, I just need you. I don't know what I need, but I just need you. See, we don't do that. 
when we're dragged away. And the third step is we're enticed. How many you notice that the enemy does not entice you with ugly things? Or unattractive things? Or things that are not particularly desirable? It's always, look, look, look at this, come get it, come get it, come get it, and it's good. <laughs> and it's those things that just attract. And I, I want it. You know, the advertising industry, and if you are in any of that field, I apologize in advance. But the whole advertising industry is based upon selfishness. You want it. You deserve a break today at McDonald's. No, you don't. <laughs> but it's the whole thing of what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? And I'm sorry, some of the parental styles these days, have we have fallen into that entrapment. We teach our kids to be selfish. Do you want daddy to hold you? Do you want mommy to hold you? Do you want to wear this? Do you want to wear that? Do you want this? I'm sorry, I never did that. This is what you're going to do. Because selfishness can be taught by mom and dad. Be careful, parents. Don't give your small child too many choices. They're not equipped to handle it yet. Number four, we have a desire. We're dragged away. Here it is, come and get it. And then actually the sin itself happens, and then that which leads us to death. That is the process of how temptation works in our lives. Now, testing doesn't go that way. Testing is something that happens. It's not a productive or it's not a procedural process. It's a test that we decide where to go. And when you move to God, pretty much the test is over. And God brings victory. Let's look at a guy that had a challenge. His name was Elijah. God sent him down after he told the king, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. And God says, get out of Dodge. And so he went down, went down to the Kareth Ravine. It took him 40 days to walk there. I suppose that would be like walking, what would take us 40 days to walk from here? If you walked maybe 40 miles a day, I don't know, what's that? It's a ways. And he's in the Kareth Ravine. It was, it was a pretty remote place. And Elijah was there, and it says the ravens fed him bread in the morning and meat, in the morning and evening. Now, a raven is a bird that eats meat. It's not going to share. It's a miracle that God had him drop the meat. I, I, I'm, I have very vivid imagination. I'm wondering what happened. You know, is he waiting and trying to catch it before it hits the dirt? Or I, mean, I don't know. Was it the same meat every day? 
Did he have variety? Or could he, could he put in his order? You know, I want ribs today, and I want steak tomorrow, and I want... I guess I'm the only one that thinks that's funny. <clears throat> but after a while, it says some time later. Now, we don't know for sure how long. Probably nine months to a year was um, the length of time that Elijah was there with the ravens feeding him. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then what happened? The brook dried up, and the next script verse says, then the word of the Lord came. Notice the sequence. The brook had to dry up before the word of the Lord came. Then... So when we're in the middle of a growing process, there's often we delay the Lord's word coming to us because we're still fighting. We're still resisting. We're still trying to get out of the difficulty. Then the Lord, the Lord came and he says, go down here. And he went down and he found a widow and says, hey, can you bring me some water? Oh, by the way, can you give me some bread? <laughs> and the lady says, uh, yeah, I can bring you the water, but I got a little bit of oil, a little bit of flour. I'm going to make some bread and then eat. My son, with my son and I, we're going to die. I said, well, wait a minute now. I have something from the Lord for you. You do what I say, and the oil won't run out. But she had to make the first loaf for Elijah. She had to give before she received. It's part of the testing. Give and you shall receive. She had to go to make, it didn't make any sense. That's all I got. And what if it runs out? Well, she obeyed and it was true. It never ran out. Then the little boy died. And she says, hey, man, what in the world? You come here? Are you kidding me? So Elijah takes the little boy, lays him on his bed, and actually lays on top of him and prays. Now that happened. Did it three times. And he finally comes to life. So Elijah went from the miracle of God providing miraculously to raising the dead. I'd call that advancement. I would call that promotion. Amen? But what was it? What's a prerequisite to victory? What do you have to do before you can have a victory? You have to have a battle. You don't have victory over nothing. You have a victory over something you fight. Are you in a battle? Hallelujah. There's opportunity for victory. Are there challenges? Okay, I, I got it. I have some myself. But what comes first is a battle.
So this morning, I want to challenge you. All right, Lord, let's go to war. Strap on your sword, pick up your shield and say, devil, you want a battle? Bring it on. Because I know who's going to win. Avoiding battle brings about defeat. Did you hear me? Avoiding battle will bring you more quickly to defeat, not victory. Now, I don't particularly want a battle. I think that's for all of us. And we in the U.S., we are so addicted to problemlessness. I mean, just go to Walmart and we get sucked into it. What do, you, what do they say to you after you pay for your, your groceries and you start to walk out? Have a good day. Well, what does a good day mean? A day without problems. Isn't that a good day for us here in the West? Like, take it easy and be groovy. What's a good day with God? What does God call a good day? What if God were to say, have a good day? I wonder what that day would include for you. I think there'd be some victory, but that means you have to have a battle first. The battle. Now here's a scripture that I, I get blown away every time I read it. Although he was a son, it's talking about Jesus. He learned. He learned obedience by what he suffered. Jesus learned obedience. Now, if you're going to learn something, it means you don't know it. So, you know, I don't, have, I don't have to learn the name of this church. I know it. Okay? I don't have to learn where it is. I know. I don't have to learn, you know, things that I know already. You learn what you don't know. Jesus had to learn. If that's true with Jesus, the Son of God, who knew no sin, how about us that are challenged? We will learn obedience because we choose, all right, Lord, if this is what I need to go through. Now, I want to add a little balance to this. I spend quite a bit of time when I'm in YWAM and especially teaching their DTSs talking about a mistaken concept about what does God allow. It's not scriptural. That term is not in the Bible only once about he will allow you not to be tempted about what you are able. If I'm holding a child's hand and we're walking down the street and they trip and fall and skin their knee. Did I allow that? 
Well, of course not, but I was right there. And we have a mistaken concept that somehow these difficulties that God says, okay, they're going to learn through them. Go ahead. Let them have it. No. No. God did not bring about these things. He just uses the challenges that you'll face. We live in a sick world. Anybody want to say amen to that? God did not make it sick. Yeah, but I'm learning. Well, good. Because he's taking every opportunity available to help you grow through the challenges you face. God does not need to bring about the testing. We have enough to go through. Amen? Jesus learned obedience. How do you learn it? By what he suffered. Oh, I'm challenged by that. Oh, I'm challenged by that. I'm going to have knee surgery next week. I have a torn meniscus. I'm, you might notice I'm kind of hobbling around a little bit. And uh, I injured it in August. So it's been quite a while that I've had this challenge, and it especially as it affects me at night and wakes me up. And I haven't enjoyed that. God did not injure me, but he's sure using it in my life. And I've been learning some things about what it means to trust God in the midst of my challenges. Anybody can trust God after the victory comes. I mean, even the world says, you know, when they have, you know, the tornado went through and didn't kill anybody, you say, oh, thank God. But I want to thank God in the midst of the tornado. Because as we sang this morning, he is still good. He's still good even when I haven't got the answer yet. Testimony is walking through a test and choosing to say, look what God did. My story I began with is a mark that I go back to because that's when I first started in the ministry and God miraculously provided. I've not had a job that pays money for the last 50 years. That was 50 years ago I was in that cabin. Yeah, I know, I'm 112. <clears throat> and God has provided every time, in every situation, miraculously and supernaturally. Now there's times I'd like to discuss with God about his timing. Anyone understand about the timing that don't always agree with me and God? Excuse me, God, couldn't you have done that a week ago? What would be wrong with that? <clears throat> but I want to give a testimony of God's faithfulness. See, so let's have a testimony. Let's together decide we're going to have a testimony. Why? <laughs> because we passed our test. Could you stand with me, please?
And as you are standing before the Lord, could you just close your eyes, please, and tell the Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I'm willing to walk through whatever you want me to walk through. I'm not blaming you for the difficulties, but I will walk through it because I know that you're with me all the way through it. I know, God, that you will not leave me. You'll not forsake me. God, I ask you that you will do something that's miraculous for all of us. Just re-up, if you will, your commitment to walk with God through the challenges. One of the most important times to remind yourself what God has done is when you need him to do something again. One of the most important times to worship is when you don't feel like it. So as we close today, I just urge us, let's walk together through the tests and have a testimony. Lord, I ask that your grace would be upon us in a supernatural and a precious way because we choose, Lord, I'll go with you as we walk through this test, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.